God has a way of, of showing us his might and his glory and his, what he's up to. Um, I just want to take a few moments. We're talking about corporate worship, and many of you have been reading a, that little book. And uh, let me express to you what corporate worship does for me. And I don't want to leave anybody out, so this isn't about naming names. This is about trying to share with you what I think the intention of the book is. This morning, our oldest married couple had to leave because she wasn't feeling well. So there's, an, there's a missing in our body. Um, my wife is not with us because she's tending to her father. And so this morning, I, I, because of last night, we were, were a little bit running on, on less energy. Um, I watched a guy a few minutes ago play one of the greatest hymns of the faith with no fingers. And as soon as he struck the chords on the piano, my heart was encouraged. I listened to a dear sister say the person that we prayed for last week has received a good report. I think she'll share that. No cancer. I watched the oldest member of our congregation stand to his feet as we were singing Amazing Grace while the youngest member of our congregation was at the window in his mom's arms. I listened to the word of God be read this morning and I've been encouraged by it. We're a family, and we came together as a family. All of our blemishes and all of our frailties, while well, our sister walked us through exactly what the book, it was like it was, a, it was, like it was meant to be for us to get a little, um, a little illustration of what the author was talking about. The only thing we didn't probably have was a guitar or an organ, but, but video, upbeat and tempo, uh, an upbeat tempo to Jesus paid it all. And, and we, we, we've been singing a few songs a cappella with, with, just with our voices. There was different styles and different forms already. Different people involved in our worship service. And so for me, even before I say anything else, I think that is at the heart a, a picture or an illustration. And the only way you can do that, and, and, I, and I know the, the, the adage is preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to the choir, but if, you, if you're not here, 
you don't get to be a part of that. And so, so rather than church attendance being something that we want to kind of guilt people into doing, it's really this, this thing that says if you, it's, it's like missing your Thanksgiving dinner with your family. It's, it's like not celebrating a birthday of the first birthday or the big party or a major milestone. And, and we get to every year, 52 times a year, at least once on that day, come together. We're the body. And so when part of our body isn't here, we feel it. We're, we're a temple, both individually and corporately, where God, I, I don't think it's emotion for me. I, I'm, I'm confident the Spirit of God residing in this place, this day, in a special way. Amen? The book says that we should encourage each other to say amen. So let me make a few quick comments. This is really a, it's not an exposition. This is, this is trying to get us involved and centered around um, this little book. There's, this, this little book is on your table if you don't have a copy. I'd, uh, well, let me just say this. I, I, I know life is busy, and I, I get that not everybody's a reader. And you may be thinking, what is the propaganda? But for those, I think we're going to maybe hear from one or two of you this morning. If you didn't get a chance to dive into this, just take the next several weeks. Read a chapter a week. Uh, read two or three pages a day. I, I do believe God will, will bless you um, with it. And the very beginning of this book in the series preface, Dr. Mark Dever says, local churches exist to display God's glory to the nation. We do that by fixing our eyes on the gospel of Jesus Christ, trusting him for salvation, loving one another with God's own holiness, unity, and love. So that's what we are here to do this morning. We're here to display God's glory. We're here to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're here because we've trusted him with salvation. We're the household of faith, the family of God, the bride of Christ. And so hopefully that this is an encouragement, just as a good teacher would or a good mentor would or a good coach would, it just to encourage us to maybe elevate our game, deepen our knowledge, mature our our lives. And so, so that's what we're trying to do. And hopefully with the Holy Spirit's help, that will be something we can do in the next weeks to come. I thought of asking the question, why are you here today? And there's all kinds of reasons. But even more specifically, why are you here at church at this address? There's lots of churches. There's a church next door that's God-honoring and Christ-exalting church. For many of us, coming to church has been a pattern for years, if not decades. And so as we stop to examine what we're about this morning, the book, um, let's not forget that we come here today to worship. That's what we're here for. We're here to worship. I think on page 12, and I'm going to reference this, uh, this little book a couple of times, but on page 12, if you have a copy, I'll, I'm going to read a few things. 
Dr. Legan Duncan, he's the president and chancellor of Reformed Theological Seminary, says this. He says, the psalmist tells us succinctly, giving unto the Lord glory to his name is what worship is. Giving glory to the Lord that's due his name. That's what we're about. Right off the beginning, this is about God. This isn't about us. It's not about what we, although we will talk about that, it's, this is first and foremost about the God who created us, the God who's in charge. The author of this book says that we do it together. We gather each Sunday. The Lord's Day is the way I've grown accustomed to saying it because this is not a normal day. This is different than any of our other days. This is the Lord's Day. And Brother Jim and Sister Julie came forward, and the scriptures I chose for us to hear this morning, because in the book it says that we're to sing and preach and pray and scripture, and I chose two particular scriptures, because one, Deuteronomy, that's the Shema. In every Jew, it's a, it's a Jewish pattern, daily pattern of prayer, but more importantly, I I had a seminary professor, Dr. Winters, first tell me about this passage, and he said that in a, in a traditional Jewish synagogue, this would be their call to worship, especially verse 4. Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God is one. Hear, O Israel. In other words, listen. Listen up. Give God glory. Let it sink in. This is about God and giving Him glory. We only serve one God, the maker of heaven and earth. And then it would go on to say that it's the responsibility to teach our families about this God. And that's what we're here to do. Unashamedly, this is about indoctrination into our faith. We want to catechize or teach or train our families what it means to, to love Jesus and to serve him forever. And so I say, because I can call him out, Jackson, you're here this morning because your mom and dad determined that it's important for you to know about the God that they serve and the God of their home. And I see our teenagers, and, and you're here this morning not, not to so much to be entertained, but to give and to be re, uh, involved in this community. It's like you look around, it's like going to grandma and grandpa's house. And, and for me, for me who didn't have those long-term relationships, my, my grandparents lived away. Look around you. The multi-generation that sat in this building this morning is one of God's greatest graces in your lives. There's, there's some that are a little bit older and some a way lot more senior. And so get involved. Romans 12 is another passage that we looked at this morning because what we're here to do is to be worshipers. 
We're here to worship and to provide ourselves a living sacrifice. And our focus should be on each other as well. And so Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love others. So let's look at a few things. And, and I, somebody may, I don't want to go long this morning. That's not my intent. So I love this topic. So we'll go kind of quickly. And then I have some questions. I'd like to get your input. So the, well, first, the author through the book begins to ask, who gathers? Verse 35, or I'm sorry, verse 35, chapter 35. Chapter 35, the author says at the top of the page, he says, a local church is an assembly of blood-bought, spirit-filled worshipers who build up another by God's word and affirm one another as citizens of Christ's kingdom through the ordinances. This is exclusive. Everybody's invited to church. We want all people to come worship and be a part of our fellowship. But this is exclusively for those of us who recognize Jesus Christ as our Savior. Amen? This is for people who know Jesus. We're the ones called to worship. He goes on to say that, backtracking a little bit in pages 33 and 30. Four, we've talked a lot about this, and I, was, I found it interesting that this author talks about the vertical and the horizontal impact of us. Because the vertical does impact. And interesting enough, in bottom of page 33, he quotes Ephesians 2, a very familiar passage. He says it, it, it clearly emphasizes the corporate nature of our salvation. This is what God's done for us. Those of us who are dead in our sins and trespasses, he's made us alive in Christ. And again, I'm going to highlight some things and I'll ask some questions, but verse 37, one of the most profound statements I saw in the book is this. We don't go to church to worship. We worship because we are the church. We don't go because we, 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 we come because we are the church, and this is God gathering us this day. Another great point is on page 40. Corporate worship must never be anonymous. In other words, you don't get a, if you love Jesus, you don't want to hide. You don't want to sink in and sink to the back and be anonymous. It's just like going to your family gathering and not wanting anybody to know you're there. That's silly. When I get with my family, all of them, as crazy as they are, I like engaging with every one of them. They all add to the party. And, and that's what we all do when we gather. We all add to the, to the joy of this day. Well, why do we gather well, if we just want to go just a little bit over to page 46, he says our ecclesiology affects or shapes our doxology. What's he mean by that? He means that how we, how we understand church is how we praise God. That's why we meet together. There will be a day when COVID-19 is no longer an issue. And we'll, we'll be back and, and mask and social distancing, I pray one day, I think we'll, those things will be gone. 
But if it isn't, if it doesn't, churches would have a decision to make because it's, you see, the author's pretty, pretty clear, that scripture's pretty clear, that in order to be the church, we have to be together. It's, it's, it's never going to be, there's no such thing as a virtual church. Although you're going to see that on the news, you're never going to get what you need to get virtually. It's like having a virtual marriage, although some of us may want one of those from time to time after last week's sermon. It's not what we are about. Amen? Bottom of page 47, he says, I love this. He says, and this is what I've tried to communicate to us from time to time, how we're different than the Kiwanis or any service organization. There are things we do here week in and week out that can only happen here together. We, only here can we sing. Only here can we, we can join with one another. Only here, that's why I started with the illustration. What is it even planned? Only here together does that happen. And so what's God doing? When visitors come in us, in verse, chapter, chapter, uh, page 51, I'll get it eventually. It says that he makes, he makes us visible to the universe. Just as the children of Israel were to be made visible to the world around them of God's chosen people, guess what? We are God's chosen people. The church, it was fulfilled in Christ. And so when we gather together, we are visible to the world that we're a peculiar people. We are people who are really different who have different personalities and all kinds of weirdness, but we love one another. We have this allegiance to this king of ours. His, his name is Jesus. And there's something here that, that you'll be a part of. Why? Well, page 61, he says, he gathers us unto his glory for our mutual good before the world's gaze. I was recently listening, now get this, this is how God works. I've been, I listen to lots of stuff and I was listening to a guy who was talking about how to improve your life and how the, the issues of the day are, are happening and the impact it's having on society. And the guy said this, the guy said, we have lost our sense of awe. Not in the church, I pray not. I pray it's here gathered together that we get this awe of a great Savior. The all of watching a sister be baptized upon profession of faith and it moving us to remember our baptism. The all of seeing a family read scripture together. The all of singing about Christ and his salvation. The all of being forgiven of our sins. The all of seeing someone's life transformed by Jesus. The all of the majesty of the creation. It's here. As a church, worshiping together, we exalt God. If you want to turn to page 64. I was talking to Courtney and Emily at work this week, and we were, they were, we were just talking about things, and uh, we were talking about how it's so easy to, to, to get disconnected, and when you withdraw, you can really take a, a wrong turn here or there. And on page 64, in the, close to the bottom of the page, the author says, each Sunday morning reorients a congregational spiritual compass. You are here together 
with everybody else as we lift our voices and hear scripture and we hear prayers to reorient your compass to make sure you can get through the next seven days. Isn't that, isn't that good? This is a realignment. To put another way, he says on page 64, we've come what we worship. What we think about is what we become. That was convicting for me. So what? So let me, before I go on, so if we exalt Jesus and we encourage each other, then this evangelization happens. We've forgotten over the last several decades that the best way for people to learn about Jesus is just to hang out with us. It's true. Just watch the body of Christ work with warts and all. And how we, how we go through life, it's so different. So what do we do? And there's so much in this book, there's no way I can talk about it all, but, but what we do does matter. And he says on page 78 that what we do should be governed by God and his word. On page 82, I'll read this. The reformers said that we read the word, pray the word, preach the word, sing the word, and see the word. See the word in the Lord's Supper and then the ordinances of baptism. And finally, Julie talked about it, the last chapter. A few years ago, I used to hear us say, well, we can't sing as a church. And we had been doing enough self-talk that we kind of believed that. And this morning, I stopped singing a couple of times to hear us. And I could hear our voices. And that's awesome. One of the things that we do as a church is we sing. The author makes a very poignant statement on page 136. It's a statement that, that anybody behind the pulpit would love to say to everybody, but doesn't want to get crucified on the way out and doesn't want to get nasty grams later. But on the top of page 136, and I've got people in my own family that would take exception to this, but he says, singing is a part of each member's ministry to the whole body. Sister Julie took us to the end of this chapter. If you don't like to sing about Jesus here, I'm not trying to be crass. Don't go to heaven. Just, just go someplace else. Because if you don't think that heaven is not going to be full of the praise for our Savior, the Lamb that was slain, you're, you, you've read a different Bible. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to encourage this. And no, by the way, I don't think you're going to get the voice of an angel when you die. I think the voice that you've got is the voice you're going to keep. Because the voice that you've got, I don't think, is marred by sin. And we could argue that, maybe some thieves. But I, I believe that God designed me the way I'm going to be. And I'm going to get a new heaven, and in heaven I'm going to get a new body. But it doesn't say I'm going to get a new voice. This is who I am. My intellect was given to me by God. I'm being very serious. I'm, this is not joking. My, my natural abilities were given to me by God. My athletic abilities or lack of thereof was given to me by God. This is who God chose me to be. And this voice, although it may not ever appear on American Idol or the voice that's earthly ears. 
How many of us love to hear the voice of someone that we love? How many of us love to hear our kids when they're not screaming and hollering say, Dad, I I love you. Mommy, you're so great. Right? I mean, right? Come on. Be be human here. Come on. I can't see you without those stinking masks. Um, We love it, don't we? Well, this Father that created you loves to hear your voice. You're not off-tuned to Him. He really doesn't care if you're singing melody or harmony or in a falsetto. That's not what he really cares about. I don't even know what those are, Sister Julie. I just, I've heard you say them. I don't think he cares. This is not a concert. We aren't here to hear someone play the piano or someone do a, a solo for 45 minutes. We are here to move us together to sing, to lift our voices to the one who died for us and who's coming again. Amen? So, keep doing what you've been doing. Your singing is great. And it's getting louder. We're feeling, I can't wait till we get back to the sanctuary because I think we may have to pass out earplugs because I think we may forget how loud we really are. If we're singing and we can hear that singing through some mask and in, in, in this massive room, when we get back into that sanctuary that's ready to be here, this, oh, it's gonna be a, a glorious day, amen? Amen. So I have a couple of questions. What time is it, Brother Jake? 11. 11.28. Okay. This is participation. This is what we've tried to do uh, a few times through Zoom. Just one or two of you, please participate. Somebody. The very first question I'd like is... Either what I've said this morning from the book or the Word of God or what you've read, what's, what's something that impacted you in the last hour or the last week as you've read the book or someone want to share? What's one thing? Now, I can tell you, we'll get out of here the sooner you answer the questions. Anybody? Brother Jake's going to come around. Don't be embarrassed. We're a family. Anybody been impacted this week? Oh, come on. Thoughts? Yep. Uh, um, so I remember reading in the book, and it talked about how we should come expecting to bless other people, um, to be used by God to do that. And I don't know if I have, but... He mentioned in the book how when he would look around and see people singing, it would encourage him. And I guess that's one thing that I hope to do is when I'm singing, I know it don't sound very good, but I hope that I can encourage other people and I hope that I can look around and see people that I can pray with and and that we can kind of develop that culture. Because I know it encourages me when I have brothers and sisters come up and pray for me. And I, I like seeing people sing. It makes me smile. I think it's exactly what it's about. Amen. Thank you, brother, for sharing. Anybody else? Let me throw another question out there. What's an insight that you, you read or something that was clarified for you that, that's a takeaway for you in the book? What's, what's something that, that you discovered and 
Maybe it was new. Maybe it was a new thought. Maybe it was something that you need to meditate on. Maybe something you're still meditating on. What's, what's something that, in, as we interact it with that? Anybody? Timothy was just kind of talking about this. Page 136, it says, It's no surprise that the singing of the saints warms our hearts. God himself sings over those he redeems. From Zephaniah 3.17. And this was kind of neat to me. And I, and I, I guess I knew this, but it was good to read this and to, to think on it as I, as I do um, worship the Lord. He made us in his image. In some faint way then... Our singing reflects his own beauty, his generosity, his creativity. Amen. And I, I really never had thought about it that way, mm -hmm. that um, as we sing and offer our praise to him, um, it's neat to know that he's singing over us um, too, but that we are um, singing, our singing is reflecting him, his beauty, generosity, and creativity. Amen. Thank you. Is there something that you would like someone to share with someone? Just, just you, you don't want them to miss a, a takeaway that you just don't want someone to miss um, as you interact it with the book or even in your own discussions this week. Or let me open it up and then Brother Sean's going to come and lead us in prayer. Um, we can segue into that. Is there, is there something you want to add for the body? You know, it mentions Colossians and, and Ephesians. It says we should come with the praise. Um, we, we should come with the song in our hearts. So um, is there something, is there a takeaway that you'd like to share with one another? Is there something you want to share with one another? Pam? Probably everyone does. So that's yeah. just kind of the bottom line on that. I feel better. Makes me feel good to sing. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly what it, whether, whether it's immediate or not, that singing. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. This morning I walked out and I looked at the birds around my house and, and they're chirping. They, they're, it's, it, everything's in order. There, there's, a, there's a move. Let me, I, I just want to give a word of caution. And, I, and I'm saying it to our younger folks. There's this big move on social media to discount the Christian faith. I was going to play a video clip, and I still may do it yet, of somebody that used to be a, a, a pretty prominent pastor. And he was interviewing a young girl, and she said, how terrible the, it is to tell people that they're a sinner. No God would ever do that. And it broke my heart. I come to know that I'm a sinner because as I told one of my granddaughters this week, I need to say that I sin so I can be forgiven. No one needs to tell me I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. But when I confess my sin, then I can lay hold of the truth of Scripture, and I can be forgiven. And then I can sing 
because I'm free. All right. Anybody else have anything else? Thank you. I know this is a little different. I pray that this day has encouraged you. Um, we could talk about this for forever. Um, Brother Sean, come on right up. Again, there's so much I missed. I missed everything, to be honest with you. There's why we do it. We, we, we base everything on the Word. Um, it's all about God. It's about encouraging and blessing other people. There's a, there's a reason that we do this. Um, and so, does anybody have a prayer request that I need to pick up to give to Brother Sean?